0: this is the Krillcast. i am chris
1: and i am billy not will
0: and it's manic monday. and if the audio um silencing software doesn't accidentally cancel that out thinking it's white noise it's manic monday guys um and today billy who are you what's your channel uh, I'm Billy. Um, I'm here a lot, but he's uh, also part of the Krill cast, but he does his own thing too.
1: <laughs> that's very true, and I, I'm I feel honored by being part of it now, man. But um, I do uh, Tales of Initiative on YouTube. It's actually going live October twenty ninth at around seven p.m. But uh, it, it, it Tales just bringing on. A bunch of different content creators, a bunch of uh, TikTok celebrity people and like just a a wide range of people to jump on, uh, play a couple D&D games together. But it's all edited and like like not scripted, but it's very highly edited. And like we we do a lot to make it like watchable for the normal viewer that may or may not be familiar with D&D. So if, if you want something easy and digestible, this is exactly where you would go
0: yeah and we are looking forward to the release of it as billy drops really cool clips like this one twig destroys an abandoned child's life (laughs) will was a monster man (laughs) he was a monster so what's the news for manic monday um mass effect legendary edition legend daddy edition as i like to call it um (laughs) is the currently highest reviewed game of 2021 i don't know if that's amazing or sad but um it is literally the highest rated game of 2021 so far um, by critics on one of the Metacritic sites or any of those, right? And it actually already chop- topped the uh, charts on Steam. It outsold Resident Evil Village. Yeah, boy. Can you imagine, like, when you're releasing Resident Evil Village and you're like, this is a major blockbuster release, and all of a sudden you get trumped by a game that came out in 2007, 10, and 12?
1: oh i'm so happy for him though man god i beat out like i love resident evil but beat out resident evil man you deserve it mass effect
0: so here's some information that people uh i compiled it myself i don't know if this is like widely available but essentially the um mass effect re-release the legendary edition is around 26 gigabytes more than the original trilogy was if you downloaded all of the dlc including pinnacle station for the first three games on the xbox 360 versus the ps4 install size so you're looking at 54 gigs for the original trilogy on the xbox 360 versus almost 81 gigabytes on the ps4 so that's interesting 26 gigabytes of data was added for something um, for the remaster i'm assuming the higher quality textures that kind of stuff but um, even with a missing dlc you're looking at 26 additional gigabytes added to the original trilogy for um, enhanced reasons right so what do you think about these sales billy how do you, how do you feel about this
1: um. First, really quick, I just want to mention you will not let that DLC go, will you?
0: Chris? <laughs> I'm just saying, like even missing a DLC that's over a gigabyte, right? And they're still 26 gigabytes higher than the original trilogy. So, like, clearly there was work yeah. put into this. I think that does show that there was actual work put into this. People were, you know, trashing it originally, like, oh, you're just throwing a lens filter on there. But 26 gigabytes is not a lens filter.
1: Yeah, that's true. I I think the sales are ch- like, I mean. I said it before when we talked about it last time and talked about Mass Effect 4 and everything in between. I, I think it's justified. I think I think that they deserve, like, to do well because it is a great series, and I've always wanted to have it in a collection that I could play um, on the newer gen. But um, I'm, I'm very excited, but I'm very, like, I'm still nervous stepping because I, I want, like... I'm very happy that they, they did such a good job and I'm really happy that they tackled a lot of the problems from one. And I think that was really cool. Um, I'm still skeptical and I want to see what they do in the future, but I think this is a really, really, really big step in the right direction for mass effect fans. I think they, they kind of listened to everybody. Everybody wanted a giant um, like uh, remake or I'm sorry, like HD version and fix um, of one and, two and three but uh i think it's warranted i think their sales were warranted i think that they deserved it uh and in the end in my opinion
0: and do you think that something that is technically a re-release or remaster is deserving of a score as high as it is Is it's a 91 at least it was when i looked at it
1: oh hell yeah listen (laughs) but now it's not an
0: 87 it did drop a little bit
1: okay they can they can bite a butt it's 91 in my book i i am like I wouldn't have said yes to this question if they didn't do so much to fix the first game. Like if they, if they didn't almost like, like change everything I disliked about the first game, including the 52 second elevator rides that are now 14 seconds long. um, I am very happy that they made these giant changes. And I think it's, it's very well done in my
0: eyes. Good. Um, And the other, the other, obviously the most acclaimed re-release or, or, um, uh, remaster Collection is the Master Chief Collection right now, especially on PC. How do you think this stands up to that? Do you think this is... I mean, I will say this. Master Chief Collection was extremely broken when it was launched on, on PC and on the Xbox One. Um, This literally worked the second I put it in my PS4. Like, they clearly did work to make it work day one on the PS4, but what other remaster Collections that you have played have been successful and or good, in your opinion?
1: Um, yeah. Trying to thinking, I personally um, like. I really enjoyed uh, uh, the uh, God. What was it? The Bioshock collection. That they oh did. yeah, that was good. Yeah, like I thought. I thought they they ported it really well. Um, I know, like for PC at least, it was like almost a straight up port. Like they didn't really change a lot. But um, I, I thought it where they did make improvements. Like I, I really kind of felt like the big differences, and I, I really. Again, like um, I, I hate seeing series like this die. Like I hate seeing like great story, um, like like pillars fall into the dust and just kind of fade away. So, um, I, I mean, I think that Bioshock was a great example, and I think Mass Effect is now the leading example, in my opinion. But, oh yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I think Bioshock, in my opinion, man, I love that series, and I still love that they gave it a, a little bit new life.
0: Probably the only thing that that. They could have done more than what they did because they. I I really think after playing it, they did a really good job, especially with the facial models in Mass Effect One. I was pretty impressed by what they did with that because originally I was like, I was like, "Eh, okay, whatever. And now after playing it, I'm like, okay, they did a pretty good job, especially since I can now play the Mass Effect trilogy on my Vita. That's that's pretty. I remote play. I was remote playing it on my Vita the other day. And the fact that you can swap R1 and R R2 and R L1 L2 so that the R1 R2 on the top of the Vita is the shoot, you know, it's the gun and the the normal what L1 um, is good because the on-screen buttons are not nearly as convenient. But once you swap those, it works perfectly fine. So I was mm-hmm. I was happy with that after I did that. But um, it doesn't say on the box remote play compatible, but it is because every PS4 game is, even though they don't want to say they are.
1: <laughs> I'm happy about that. Good. Like I honestly. I'm, it's, it's such a, like, quiet thing that doesn't get talked about a lot, but I'm very happy that, like, that Mass Effect still sits in that because that's one thing I was kind of bummed that, like...
0: The I, PS5 I know... dumped it.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of bummed also that, like, like for Mass Effect in general, I knew they weren't going to get a Switch port. Obviously, it was a I lot. I was hoping but...
0: they'd just put the original trilogy on the Switch.
1: That's what I wanted! I wanted just something... Like, I loved playing Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U, dude. I, it's amazing. I'd still... It is. It's really good. It's one of my favorite... Like Except The uh, only thing that
0: makes me mad is that they never ported all the DLC, and I can't imagine it would have been that yeah. hard to do that. It's like, EA, bad on you for that one.
1: Yeah, man. Citadel alone DLC is like, like you should port that to every console without having to ask any questions.
0: Exactly. So, and then um, the last thing that I want to ask, uh, aside from how much are you loving it, is what other remaster collections would you like to see?
1: Oh, man. Um personally like i i was actually just talking to my wife about this cuz uh we we met because she's a huge bioWare fan of Dragon Age and i love Mass Effect but um i would love Dragon Age to like get redone and get put on like a 3 uh like like the same treatment it's getting for the Mass Effect collection but like redoing the combat of the first game and like also doing the like combat for the second game like maybe doing inquisitions combat uh i didn't like inquisition as much as the other two but i love the stories of the first and second game and um uh, i i really think implementing a better combat system and like better graphics oh dude i would play all of those games all over again for sure
0: i mean look how many times they re release skyrim and it sells like you know it sells like hotcakes so
1: yeah man that's what i'm saying like Dragon Age was a great RPG, and God, I would love to see it again.
0: I want a Dead Rising collection.
1: Oh, just re, just like re, re, remake one.
0: Please. They haven't remade one, so they all they did was turn up all the PC settings like high, and then re put it on the Xbox One. That's basically all oh, they did with the right. the port to the. It's just a port. It's not a remaster. But I, I would be- love to see a remaster and or a remake of the original Dead Rising. Yes,
1: man. Just take a more serious. like. A, like be more like like a zombie game. Like I, God, man, let me do zombie survival and not feel like. I'm... And I don't
0: care if they have the photography mode at all. They can they can do away with yeah. the photography. <laughs> I know it's yeah, blasphemous, dude, I'm, but I'm with it. I'm anyways, with it that's all I got. So. Um i hope that you guys are all enjoying mass effect legendary edition please comment below tell us what you think about the mass effect legendary edition about the sales how it beat out resident evil village in its first week that's insane to me and uh can the momentum keep up going forward what do you guys think let us know in the comments down below that's what they're for as always i'm chris
1: and i'm billy not will
0: and we will see you
1: on the next krilly cast how <laughs> you do? Oh.
0: This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Billy not will
0: And uh if you're not a victim of scalping, I don't know. I mean, never mind. <laughs> That's not how you say that. If you have been trying to get a PS5 or an <laughs> Xbox Series X, and you're not a victim of scalping, i.e., that you've been, you know, your scalp has been removed from your head, um, then you're probably in the same boat as everybody else trying to get a console right now. So currently, uh scalping is out of control if you ask me. You've got a website called X saying that. There's been over 138,000 PS5s resold by a single seller on on a Jeez. website or eBay or something. With the average reselling at least $100 over, probably closer to $200, if not more. If you look on eBay, I think it's like even more than that. At even $100, this person has made $14 million, right? If you sell $200 above, that person has made $30 million in profit. That's insanity. So not only are they making that money hand or fist, but this actually accounts for over one and a half percent of all PS five owners, one person, what I'm sorry, one seller, because we don't know if it's a person, a company or whatever accounts for more than 1.5% of the entire population of PlayStation five consoles sold. And they're a, a scumbag scalper. Yeah. <laughs> so what are our thoughts on scalping? in the current year.
1: Oh, see, listen, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not name a place, but uh I at my time at a big box retailer of games, um or I'm sorry, a smaller box, whatever, the soapbox of games that that trades your stuff in, uh I was present during like the PS5 going nuts and everybody kind of ripping each other apart. And then, you know, everything happened with the pandemic and da da da. But um I was very upset, like personally, because like I thought uh, I, I don't like when people start taking advantage of the system. And I think, you know, it's it's fine to maybe resell one if you have an extra one or like or, you know, make a little bit of extra money off of it. But not like like I remember seeing the scalp prices of like eight, nine hundred dollars. thirteen hundred are And that's what like I for the place I worked at. I had people that were coming in trying to buy five and just sell the receipts for $900. And, like, and that's not even paying off the console, man. That's, like, $50 down. And, like, and to me, like, you can make a little bit of profit, but, like, this is insane. This is, it's it's sickening. And PlayStation... Like I I would love more people to have a PS five and I would love more people to experience like like I really like some of the small tidbits about the system and I think it's it's it kinda is disheartening to see so many fans of Sony have to like and it's it's with Xbox too, it's with Microsoft too, but but I just don't think that people like like kind of feel for the fans and feel for the people that are really excited. Or they, they you know do this and they know there are fans out there that will buy them but it's just i don't know i I think it's a disgusting habit
0: i heard a really interesting method they could have used to prevent a lot of this was um the initial rollout of ps5 sales could have been done directly on the ps4 console and they could have done it in the order of the number of hours played so like let's say somebody had like a million hours and that person's at the top of the list That person should have got the first invitation to buy a PS5 and then down the list send out invitations before the launch.
1: I think that would have been interesting because like I am a huge Sony fan but that's where the problem would be for me is like I know I don't have like nearly as many hours as like most people but I also was one of the like I got my PS5 on launch and I'm not saying do that uh, for
0: all the consoles I'm just saying like you know who your fans are you could offer them the chance to buy it first.
1: I do agree with that. One of the things that kind of got me, too, with Sony was, like, um, they dropped, like, from my perspective, working when, you know, they started opening the pre-orders for it, is it was very sloppily put together, the launch was. Like, they uh, they dropped it, like, they were supposed to drop it, like, later on in the week, and then they just dropped pre-orders for it, like, like immediately. So anybody that was standing in, like, like for example, in my store at the time just came barreling up to the counter, even if they didn't want a PS5. And we're like, yeah, dude, give me like six (laughs) and couldn't do anything about it. Like I I was like, okay, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm dead.
0: (laughs) Oh, the the other thing that, um, and review tech USA, Mr. Rich from review tech USA says all the time. Um, I do think the bundles that GameStop sells does prevent scalping quite a bit because, and, and I'm not saying that's where you worked. I'm just saying that GameStop (laughs) itself does a good job with it because, um, you're not getting the QVC Chinese controllers that barely work in your bundle. You're getting two legitimate play, uh, Sony PlayStation controllers. You might get a headset. It's additional game. Maybe it has a VR combo, so it's like $1,000, but it's worth $1,000. Um, you're not getting the, the crap you know, third-party clone controller from an unknown location. You're getting an official Sony brand controller, and it's at the retail price, not at you know marked up values on ebay so the scalpers won't make nearly as much money if they have to buy additional controllers in a bundle so it does limit the amount of scalpers that go in and buy these bundles on the gamestop website so they've done a good job i think mitigating scalpers and making their own money at the same time
1: absolutely i, I think i think too like because when i bought my ps5 like I, I can easily say i bought two controllers with it i bought a headset like i to so so buy anyways yeah and like and I know a lot of people, it's it's a huge starting price. But if you're, like, if you're really dedicated to, like, getting into, you know, you really want a PS5 and you really want to, like...
0: You're going to buy these things anyways at some right. point.
1: And I, you know, and PS or GameStop themselves, they offer other options. Like, it's not yeah. forced, but it does help out, like, a lot in terms of scalping. Like, I agree completely.
0: Yeah, because if, if your margin of profit goes down in these bundles, you're less likely to hit the buy button and buy six of them. So Mm -hmm. it does give the opportunity to Sony fans that are going to buy these things anyways. And you know what? If you really don't want that second controller, you can resell it yourself. And you have a good reason to sell it because you didn't want it in the first place, but you got your bundle that you finally wanted, you know, the PS5. So I don't know. I'd say that it's justified reselling if you just didn't want it, but you needed a PS5.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: So Anyways, I think that that's the best mitigation tool they can use right now is jack up the price by adding accessories to the bundles. And then a scalper is like way less likely to hit. All right. I'm going to buy it anyways.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it makes it. And not only that, like tip of the trade, too. Um, sometimes you can return some of those bundle items. but oh, you
0: didn't I did not know that. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. Well, um, that's all I've got. If you guys have different experiences with scalping, if you're not me and you've seen literally five PS5s throughout the stores you've been to, and like just passed up on every single one of them, apparently I I, uh, I have to buy one next time I see one because Games 381 and some other people are like, hey, the next time you see one, just you know, sh- tell me, I will reimburse and get you. So next time I see one, I will probably buy it, uh, and I will ship it off to whoever it is that needs it. So, <laughs> but I have seen five PS5s in the That's wild so and not insane, not bought dude. any of them
1: that is
0: so crazy at multiple retail locations so like scalping has not affected my ability to buy one it's just my like immediate remorse i would have if i bought one that has prevented <laughs> me from buying one so anyways tell us your experiences with scalping in the comments down below and uh, as always i'm chris
1: and i'm billy not
0: will. and we will see you on the next acrylic ass bye guys Uh-oh. This is the CurlCast. I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Billy Nutwill.
0: And Halo Infinite has had a long time to sit on the burner to get done. Um, what are our thoughts? Is it coming out this year still? What do you think? God, no. no. You don't just, think so? Just,
1: no, not at all. No, there's no way. I don't think so. I, like, it's, I, I've watched so many games launch, and if you don't have, like, like, your, in my opinion, if you don't have a lot of your promotional items, like, like, head front like in front of everybody in the launch really year. though yeah man, i'm telling you do think it's not... coming out this year Mm-mm, 2022 for sure like, man i don't know 100%. i
0: don't know about that because like it, it, it i could just be e3 drop you know i i ugh. if it doesn't come out this year i'm gonna be really disappointed with xbox and 34 i'm not gonna lie that would be really disappointing
1: i i see listen man like one of the one of the like like in my eyes i i always have this rule of thumb like like with uh with big games that are coming out, I always look for the promotional stuff. And like if they don't have like like all of their trailers playing like at one time and then like like every shebang they have, if it's not all going crazy right now, like it's not it's not coming, man. It's it's gonna be like a whole I mean
0: it is like the biggest blockbuster game for Xbox. If they delay it again. Oh my gosh, really? Oh no no no, that was the, that was that fake one. Oh my gosh. Oh.
1: Whew. <laughs> That was me writing that, by no, the
0: way. Kentucky, Kentucky there were, no, so what happened <laughs> with that was there was a guy who realized that um, although 343 has their own Twitter handle, it's not 343 Industries. There's one that's at Halo. That's the 343 company. Well, somebody literally said, okay, and they set up at 343 Industries as a, as their Twitter tagline. They said Halo Infinite will be delayed. And they like put out an official press release. And even some of the official Halo Twitter uh, uh, handles had back and said, Really? Why would you do this to us? Now we have to clean up this mess that you've made. And Twitter banned the account. And, it, oh, it was a whole mess. But it was hilarious because Kotaku ran with the story before they even verified it. That is so odd. Like,
1: I, I can't say that's a Like, I'm like, oh, like, that's a good thing. But, God, that's funny. I give them <laughs> straight up credit, man. That's funny.
0: Oh, jeez. So there's that. But, uh, and the tweet was shared like 50,000 plus times. It was insane. <laughs> so.
1: Oh my God. That was
0: a thing. Um, I guess there's not much else to say. If you think it's not coming out, man, I would be so angry. I I, I really Dude. don't think that's it. Like it's got to come out this year. It's got to. I'm
1: telling you, man, like every gut feeling, like every game I've ever like, like been excited for or anything. I'm always like, I'm, I'm telling you. Mark my words, man. Like seven months like seven months from now we are gonna be Halo Infiniteless and I'm gonna be very sad about it also because I'm also very excited for this.
0: That would suck. Okay. Oh. Well, I-, I guess there's nothing else to talk about. As always, I'm Chris.
1: <laughs> Billy, I'm sorry. And
0: we will see you
1: <laughs> on the next Crilly cast. I'm so sorry. <laughs>
0: This is the Krillcast, I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Billy.
0: And today is oh, Little Throwback Thursday, and we're oh. talking about Fire Emblem, the Fire Emblem, the one that was uh Shozokaga before we got the new version of Fire Emblem on the GBA. This is all the pre-Americanized, pre-English Fire Emblem games. Okay, anyways the genealogy of the Holy War is a tactical role-playing game developed by Intelligent Systems and published by Nintendo for the Super Famicom home video game console on May 14, 1996. Billy, were you alive yet?
1: Got a one-year-old. I was a little baby. Okay,
0: he was playing this game at one... No, I'm (laughs) just kidding. Um, It is the fourth installment of the Fire Emblem series and the second to be developed for the platform. Genealogy of the Holy War takes place on the continent of Jundral, split between eight uh, countries. Countries founded by the 12 Crusaders, an ancient group of soldiers who ended... The rule of the ancient dragon, Laptus, is how I'm going to pronounce that, with the divine aid. In the present, a cult working to revive Laptus stirs up war among the countries. The story is told over two generations. The first generation follows Grand Valiant Prince Sigurd, while the second follows his son, Salif, as he works to defeat the cult and avenge his father. Development began after the completion of Fire Emblem Mystery of the Emblem. That's Fire Emblem 3, which is a remake of one plus a second quest at the end of number one which is all of Marth for both games. Um, Returning staff included director, designer, and scenario writer Shozo Kaga, composer Yuka Tsujioko, and character designer Katsuyoshi Koya, and producer Gunpei Yokoi. It was actually the last game produced by Gunpei Yokoi at Nintendo. Um, The greater focus was placed on the story compared to previous entries, although the gameplay also saw new additions. Production was turbulent due to staff moves and the unexpected addition of character Romance, which we'll get into in a minute, and expanded storyline first unveiled under the title inheritors of light and that's part of the romance thing it was originally scheduled for a march release before eventually releasing in may and it was met with critical and commercial success which all of the fire emblem games in japan did except for i think two and five in japan um a follow-up title based on our uh, based within the game store on fire emblem thracia 776 which is fire emblem 5 was released in 1999, with many of the elements introduced in Genealogy of the Holy War reintroduced in later titles, which is the Romance. So Romance essentially is just this. Pair up two characters in gen-, gen 1, they have a child, and that child appears in the second generation in the game. So it's like a time skip with a next generation kid. So like, Fire Emblem Fates did the same thing. Um, they had, like, kids with the... But they actually had a weird thing where the timeline was connected and, like, the kids were fighting alongside their parents, which is bizarre to me. So, I don't know. But that is, like, a thing that reappeared later. Um, so Fire Genealogy of the Holy War is probably most known for being, like, the most inappropriate Fire Emblem game from um, aspects of who can hook up with who in the game, we'll say, and their familiar relations. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, you know, the joke, the joke was made, um, I'll, I'll put it this way, there was a Major League Baseball game meme that I saw recently, where the kiss cam came over a brother and a sister, and uh, the guy says, that's my sister, and then the next panel says, but it's 2020, so we don't care, and I'm like, what? Well, this game didn't care in 1996, we'll put it that way. <laughs> so there are, like, familiar relations that hook up in this game, and it's like, oh, okay, all right. And then there's a lot of portrayals of some pretty extreme, um, I don't even, like, just some things you wouldn't want in games nowadays. We'll put it that way. There are some uh, hookups that aren't uh, mutually agreed upon. We'll say that. (laughs) This sounds terrifying. So this game being re-released, which is a heavily rumored thing, uh, is a little... uh, shocking to say the least i would think this game would have to be heavily adjusted for 2021 based on some of the things that happened in this game it would not Uh, be a um first choice in my mind for a remake
1: (laughs) i'm just assuming the family ties are just something maybe they should just leave out you know
0: i mean technically fates did the same thing
1: all right this is great
0: So, uh, if this game does get announced, I mean, it would make me excited, because the gameplay itself is pretty great, and there are really good storylines amongst the really bad ones in this game. Um, and it is one of the biggest, I don't like, if you look at the map size on this, they're just insanely big. <laughs> if you look at the map size of a Genealogy of the Holy War gameplay, Genealogy of the Holy War, Fire Emblem... I should have just went to Google, oh well. <laughs> these maps are massive, like, uh, let's see. It's like one of these, I, I'm just going to pull it up on CERNOS 4. Anyways, the maps are huge. They're like four times the size of a GBA game, or like even uh, the size of the three houses maps, like it dwarfs in comparison. These are huge. So like 10 maps in this game takes the same amount of time as 30, 40 maps in three houses
1: wow, that's, that's actually really, that's incredible. That's it's like awesome.
0: a multi-part map. So, like, you get past one point in the map, and then the map changes. Like, part of the scenario is completed, now, boom. This next part of the scenario enters the map that's still an ongoing large map. It's, it's, so it's pretty cool. cool. I dig that.
1: I dig that a
0: lot. So, a remake of this would be cool. I don't know how they do it. There's clearly some storyline issues they're going to have to figure out. And... I'm excited if they do. I just, my prediction is like a 50 50 to actually do it. Where are yeah, you at? What's your percentage?
1: I, I, I mean, with the whole hinted family relations, um, I, I, I'm very accepting of everything, but I, family relations is not my cup of tea. Um, but I also don't think that, um, I don't think that's going to translate very well. Uh, I, I, like, personally, I just don't see like, I don't know. I, I think it's a little rough based on that. Like, everything you're telling me, because I haven't played this one for sure, like, based on that, I, I see slim pickings on that. Like, it's it's very controversial.
0: Yeah, I, I think that Nintendo would either alter those relations slightly so that it wouldn't be, like, instead of being first cousin, they may be third cousins or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to oh make my- it a little more appropriate. I don't know. But Definitely. anyways. <laughs> i'm just saying like in general this game would be a uh it'd be a hard sell i think in um today's market given some of the themes in it so i don't know what to see um yeah and if i misremembered anything comment down below and tell me how stupid i am but uh there's that as always (laughs) i'm chris
1: and i'm billy not will
0: and we will see you
1: on the next crilly cast
0: peace Um... This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris,
1: and I'm Billy,
0: and we're here to discuss for Friendly Friday whether Nintendo should make repros of their own games. Should Nintendo fire up old production lines to reproduce NES, Super Nintendo, N64? You name it. Should they be making old, new versions of old games, printing oh. them to discs and carts, and re-releasing them?
1: Oh yes, Abs- absolutely. Like, uh, <laughs> listen, if 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 my GameCube collection could speak, like, he would say right now, he'd be like, yeah, man, like, please make more copies of, like, Go GoGo Hypergrind or, like, any game that's $500 in the GameCube marketplace right now, like, please.
0: And Billy's like, Billy's like, but then all of my games would go down in price and I couldn't oh, resell
1: really <laughs> I, I would, one tier, I would be like, oh, I wasted so much money. I'm buying every GameCube game I can in my, like, that and, like, I... I really, really want... um, I I don't have the patience to do, like, a Super Nintendo collection, but there's a lot of Super Nintendo games and, and like, you know, and their cases and everything that I would love to own. And I would love to, you know, now that collecting is such a big hobby to most people, I think it would be really cool to get, like, brand-new Super Nintendo cartridges and boxes and everything inside. I think it would be really easy to do and really... um, there's a big market for it in my eyes like nostalgia hits with everybody and um god it makes me really sad that we we don't have the opportunity to rebuy all of these things at you know normal prices like actual prices
0: so nintendo has actually re-released some games at like the end of the lifespan of a console they'll do another print run of games like for example with the wii right at the end of the Wii's lifespan, they actually re-released Radiant Dawn, like, put out a special print run. That one and Xenoblade Chronicles got a second run. And the only reason I know that is because um, at the time that it happened, I had asked a GameStop employee how they wound up with more Xenoblade Chronicles new, or, or maybe I was with Radiant Dawn. And he's like, oh yeah, Nintendo just printed some more. And I was like, really? And it turns <laughs> out that the reprints didn't have manuals.
1: Interesting, that's odd that's super odd there
0: was like three releases of radiant dawn one with a manual one without a manual and then like the third like really rare one was like not i don't even know how you find it but it's like um got like saudi arabia ratings on it
1: that's so weird that's i I actually had no idea about it was in english
0: i almost got a copy it was was like like, "Mm, this is interesting but it was ntsc us so it's like okay bizarre yeah
1: that is super weird actually oh my god
0: but the two that I know for sure that actually I know exist are the one with the manual, one without a manual. And they have a different, the reason you know that they're two different print runs, two different years on the box.
1: Interesting. I, I actually, I, I know a lot about like the prints. I did not know that. That's super cool, actually. I like that.
0: And I think Xenoblade was the same way. I think they had one with and one without the manual. I could yes. be wrong about that. Because Xenoblade was a specifically GameStop run that was ran for, but I believe that GameStop secured the rights to get that run in America.
1: Oh, what a good choice, though. Because um,
0: <laughs> they did, uh, they were they got on board with um, that one, and then there was, like, Pan, I think Pan's Labyrinth was another one that they did. There were, like, three games as Project Rainfall. All the games of Project Rainfall were eventually came over to the U.S. through GameStop. That's, they... So you blame GameStop for a lot of things, but Xenoblade, that would never come over here without their help
1: oh no man listen i i give them full credit like i've my collection would not be nearly as big without gamestop straight up
0: no i'm saying like a lot of like people that watch here like i'm imagining there's probably a lot of people that aren't fans of gamestop but well listen, you wouldn't listen. get xenoblade without them so there's a that. whole
1: nother episode for this let's,
0: let's go <laughs> save gamestop anyways um we did the episode already okay the last thing i want to touch on was would nintendo make money doing this do you think that it would be worthwhile like At what distribution would they make money? I I really don't know. They'd have to scale up to the market. I don't think the retro gaming market is big enough to support Nintendo reopening factories to produce these.
1: I think, um, I kind of, in my eyes, I think, like, select remakes, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. I think, like, like really w- scaling down what you would
0: re like re-release like and they like hooked up with limited run games and said hey produce yes this money.
1: yes absolutely because i buy from limited run games all the time and i, I truthfully think that they could like um because one of the one of the things that i just recently bought was uh the scott pilgrim vs. the world um uh big bundle but they had like they redid um a sega genesis case for it and i was like dude i was like i will buy this in a heartbeat if nintendo partnered up with them and started
0: releasing oh like, they're doing bug fables
1: yeah like they have so many cool fit fa- not to I, we're not being paid by them at all but i got no I we're know. not
0: i would have them yeah. on for an interview though yeah, josh please. fairhurst and uh i can't remember the guy's name
1: oh let me be there because i buy so much from them but they uh yeah no they like I think if Nintendo did some kind of deal like that to get, like, uh, like the jewel case for, like, uh, GameCube games and get rerun like, re-releases of those, and, God, I just, I would be so excited to see, like, um, at least, like, I wouldn't even treat it as, like, a remake,
0: man. Just, like, it's not, I thought It'd just be a re-release.
1: Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, like...
0: Honestly, I... that'd be... If Limited Run Games could secure the rights GameCube discs, they'd make a fortune right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. if they they. could get
0: that license and then nintendo's like hey reprint path of radiance at 90 dollars a pop people would buy that
1: yeah i would buy a second copy right
0: now so i i think in limited fashion if they could license a company to produce those and because i know limited guardians a lot of times they'll say hey we want this many vita cards print this file to it and sony's like okay and that's how it worked with the vita runs and then obviously with blu-rays it's like okay print to the blu-ray yeah on the assembly Oh, but God. I mean, GameCube discs—that'd be pretty cool. But then you'd have to start printing old physical media again, and who knows what that would cost. So yeah. I don't know. It's definitely an interesting thought, and maybe, maybe, limited games should reach out to uh, Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft and see what they can do about getting us some new copies of old games.
1: You got someone right here that would buy so much. Please, please do it.
0: Paper Mario, Thousand Year Door. Anybody?
1: Oh, please, man! Please remake it. I'll That's buy a... all of these.
0: As always, I'm Chris,
1: and I'm Billy,
0: and we will see you
1: on the next Krillicast.
0: Um, this is the cast. I'm Chris,
1: and I'm Billy,
0: and we're talking about JC, the the JC Productions, the only JC Productions that matters. This is spotlight Sunday and we're giving it to J C. Um, he's actually got, uh, four world records in call of duty zombies and he was on our podcast. He's pretty famous. So
1: (laughs) I like the drop. He does a
0: lot of, um, challenge runs for, uh, call of duty zombies world records. That's what he likes to do. A lot of his streams on. And he's at 822 subscribers. So he's getting closer to that 1000 mark. It'd be nice to get him there. Um, and he does D and D, so he's right up Billy's alley. Oh,
1: I've watched so, he's got so many his, of his videos uh,
0: already. Did you really? Yeah. Are you enjoying I, it?
1: Yeah, because I he uh, he was gonna jo- jump into our season two, and I am very excited to see like every every item I've seen like video he's done on items and stuff has just been really really detailed and interesting. I, I enjoy the crap out of it so far.
0: Yeah, and he's also done um, short independent films where he did um, like a zombie apocalypse type video. See if I can find it again, it's been a while since I've been able to find them. Let's see here. Yeah, it's not in his creative playlist here, but he has got like a zombie series that was going on for a long. Maybe is it? Nope, that's not it. Is it I don't know. He's got he's got a running zombie show on his. Um, independent show on his channel that I can't find right now for the life of me so there's that um, something to check out So, but what he's known for it's Call of Duty especially zombies Dungeons and Dragons independent filmmaking which is all the things we've already mentioned it's a very unique channel with content serving several different communities which is Always cool to have a diversified content on the channel. Uh, but Billy specifically, it targets him in like three different ways. So there's that. Oh, um, yeah, man. I, I, he's, I, also, he's also one of the most wholesome guys we've ever had on the podcast. Like, super, super nice guy. So I'm giving him a shout out today. And uh, Billy, tell us what video they should go check out on his channel.
1: I really, really enjoyed. Um, I It's one of, one of the ones he put out recently, but it was the Secrets of the Staff video. I like... I am somebody that loves D&D and like to go through and kind of like detail and talk about like all of the different uh, like different lore based in the like the core books and you know everything in between Um, but I really enjoyed watching the Secrets of the Staff video and I I got like a lot of information that I definitely wouldn't have like like I read a lot and I go through a lot but it is it is not nearly as detailed in how much uh, how much he went into it and how much he talked about it that I just didn't expect, and I I think he has a real passion for it, too, which is really cool, and it caught me immediately, and that's how I began talking to him to begin with. But, yeah, I I just, I think if you guys really want a video that I really think is good, check out Secrets of the Staff. I think he did a very good job, like, detailing and just having a good time with that video in general.
0: So I'm going to say something that I would, this isn't necessarily a specific video, but if you just want, if you're interested in Call of Duty Zombies, jc is one of the best Call of Duty zombie players i've ever watched on youtube and he streams pretty often pretty frequently so if you have a chance try and tune into one of his streams and if he really fails at it sometimes he switches to another game which is always hilarious because midstream the title will still be the same and he'll still <laughs> be playing something else like, well i guess we <laughs> didn't make it on this one but no if you if you hop in the chat and you start messaging him it's amazing how he's like Following the chat and at the same time, he's like setting world records and zombies. It's like, I don't know how you do that, dude. You're pretty <laughs> awesome. But anytime I get in there, I'm like, what's up, JC? And he's always like, What's up, Krillcast? Because he doesn't know if it's me or Will, but it's always me. It's always me. So, <laughs> but <laughs> catch one of his uh streams if you want to watch really good Call of Duty zombie play. And it's it's good stream to have on in the background because he's like a constant conversation with you know zombie noise like <laughs> And then it's JC like, oh my gosh, gonna do it, gonna do it. You know, I don't know, it's fun. It's fun to watch. Oh, here we go. Run from the dead. This is his video series. If you want to watch a really um kind of niche, cool zombie series filmed by an independent filmmaker, this is pretty good. So also check this out. But yeah, Absolutely. JC, good dude. Getting back on the podcast soon, hopefully. And uh as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Billy. And we will see you
1: on the next Crilly Bye guys. Um-